The reading is from Luke 14, 25-35. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able, with 10,000, to meet him who has against him with 20,000, And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. As I watch all these papers threatening to fly off, I keep thinking of... Jesus' words to us to spread the gospel to the nations. I don't think that's what he meant, though. Those things to which you commit, they'll grow, and they'll also grow you. The things to which you and I commit will grow, and they'll also grow us. Now, in two weeks, I'm going to officiate a wedding, and at the wedding ceremony, as the ceremonies that you married couples here had, there are going to be commitments. Commitments that you make to your partner and to the marriage. You make promises before God in the presence of all the witnesses who are gathered. They're commitments. And they're familiar commitments. Commitment to comfort, honor, keep in sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, forsaking all others, in lo- to love and to cherish until death do you part. And friends, those commitments, those promises that, that we make will grow and they will grow us. You know, the same Saturday that I officiate that wedding in two weeks, Leah and I will be celebrating 21 years of marriage. 21 years of commitment, of sacrifice, of joy, of overcoming, of reconciling, of satisfaction, of enduring. And let me tell you, our marriage in year number one is not the same relationship as it is now in year number 21. It's grown. And in the same way, I'm not the same man now at the age of 44 as I was when I got married at the age of 23. The marriage has shaped and grown me. Because the things to which we commit are going to grow, but they're also going to grow and form us. But you already know that because you've committed and you've grown a lot of things. For example, when you were young, you committed yourself to years and years of work on your education. 
You studied, you learned, you recited, you debated, you memorized, you researched. And during those same years, many of you committed yourselves to the hours of pain and practice to learn a musical instrument or learn how to control your voice in song. Many of you committed yourself to the suffering required to learn and excel on the sports field or on the stage or maybe in community service. And later in life, what do we do? We commit ourselves to the sacrifice required to grow in our chosen roles or careers. Many of us even have hobbies to which we've committed ourselves and we spend hours pursuing and perfecting those hobbies. And friends, you know it. Those things to which you have committed, they grow. But they also grow and shape you. You know, those things to which you've... um, those things to which you've committed, not only did they grow, but they've made you the person that you are today. And you know, when I talk about commitment, what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about with commitment is the commitment to the work, the commitment to the discomfort, the commitment to the sacrifice, the commitment to pain. You know, I read an article this week titled, The Most Important Question of Your Life. The Most Important Question of Your Life. And if I was to ask, what's the most important question of your life? What would you think? You know, the author said, most people think, well, the most important question is, what do you want out of life? And the author says, no. No, he says, the more interesting and important question is, what pain do you want in your life? What pain do you want in your life? What are you willing to struggle for? Because that seems to be a grateful, uh, a more, that seems to be a better determinant of how your life will turn out. If you want to be successful at your job, well, it's going to take hours of committing to the pain of hustle, hard work, extra hours, unfair bosses, annoying coworkers, and obnoxious customers. I mean, every one of us here, we want to have a great marriage or a great relationship, but are you willing to commit to the pain of tough conversations, of awkward silences, of hurt feelings, of admitting you were wrong, of forgiving when you are wronged, of humility and of sacrifice? You know, we all want to commit to have an amazing physique, but are you willing to commit to the pain of early mornings, endless miles, countless repetitions, new eating habits, and no excuses? The author's conclusion, who you, are defined, who you are is defined by the values you are willing to struggle for. It's defined by the pain you invite into your life. It's defined, friends, by your commitment. Who you will become is determined by your commitment, the pain to which you commit. Because every commitment, we know, has a cost. And so as the author says, if you want the benefits of something in life, you also have to want the costs. So count the costs. Count the costs. Are you willing to pay? Are you willing to commit to the pain? Are you willing to commit? Because friends and members and regular attenders of Chester Baptist Church, to what are we as a church, as a church family, going to commit ourselves? Because the things to which we commit ourselves, they will grow. But more than that, those things will grow us into the people that we are going to be tomorrow. What pain are we going to commit to? Are we willing to pay the cost? So to what should we, church family, commit ourselves? And that's the question that we're going to talk about this fall. That's the question that we're going to discuss 
over the course of this next season. Because you see, at the September business meeting on Thursday the 24th, it's coming up, we will be voting on some very minor housekeeping issues regarding our church bylaws. Again, Kevin sent out links to those changes. They're in the newsletter. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, make sure you sign up for it. You can review those changes. And like Kevin mentioned, this Tuesday night, we are having a Zoom question and answer time at 6 p.m. And the link will also be sent out again to remind you if you have questions about those. But those are minor changes. Far more importantly, my friends, at the business meeting coming up in December, we're going to be proposing some more changes to the bylaws. So the elders and I want to make some changes and some clarifications specifically to our church covenant. Our church covenant contains the things to which we have committed together. The promises that we have made but that are supposed to grow and that are supposed to grow us. Yet the truth be told, how many of us here could say any part of our church covenant? How many remember any of the promises that you made when you became a member? How many can recall any of the promises that we read together when we welcome new members? The truth is, very few of us, your pastor included. And that's a travesty. Because if these are the commitments, if these are the promises that we are supposed to focus on growing and the things that are supposed to grow and form us as people, but we don't know them, we don't remember them, we don't talk about them, then how can we commit to them? And how can they grow and form us? And so that needs to change. So the elders will be bringing forth a proposal for the December business meeting, not so much to fundamentally change the commitments in our church covenant, as much to restate them and to clarify them so that we can all agree to them. And then each and every one of us will be challenged to recommit ourselves to these things and to one another. Because that which we commit ourselves to, church, will grow, but it's also going to grow and to form us. So what commitments should we be making together? What are we willing to pay the pain for? Because we need to count the cost. Is it worth it? And the first set of commitments that we're going to discuss over the next three weeks all have to do with our identity. Friends, our identity. Who are you and who are you becoming? Because, friends, your identity, who you are and who you are becoming, is determined by your commitments. Who you are becoming is determined by your commitments, the pain to which you have committed in your life. Again, many of you know, in 2017, I started running with my daughter Abigail when she was participating in the Girls on the Run program. And at first, I was just a guy who ran. I ran with Abigail as she trained, and then I committed to the pain to keep on running. And now, three years and three marathons later, I'm still running. And I've become a runner because I committed to the pain of running. And I don't know when I crossed that line from being a guy who runs to being a runner. I don't know when it happened, but I can tell you how it happened. It happens because I committed to the pain of running. And that to which I committed grew, and now it's grown me. It's forming a new identity, the identity of a, a runner. Because your identity, ultimately, friends, who you are and who you're becoming is determined by your commitments. Your identity is determined by your commitments. 
so the first commitments that we're going to consider together as a church family specifically have to do with our identity. Friends, who will we become? And the first, maybe the most important commitment that we consider today is the commitment to follow. The commitment to follow. Church, who will you follow? Because who you follow will determine who you become. You know, Jesus taught this truth in Luke chapter 6, verse 40. He said, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he's fully trained will be like his teacher. Everyone when they're fully trained will be like their teacher. So who you follow determines who you become. Who you commit to follow determines who you're going to be tomorrow. So church, who will you follow? In today's passage that Diane read for us from Luke chapter 14, it says great crowds had accompanied Jesus at this point. At this point in his ministry, great crowds were accompanying him. So really, in modern terms, Jesus was a success. He was well on his way to growing his ancient megachurch. He had increased his market share. He was, uh, he was an Instagram influencer. His messages were going viral. People were clicking and connecting with him. They were liking more than his Facebook page. They were following him and more than on Twitter. Jesus seems to be on the way to success, at least in our eyes, in the eyes of the modern world. And then Jesus goes and we hear him blow it all in this passage. Great crowds were following him. And then he throws it all away. Because, friends, it's easy. It is easy to draw a crowd. But what Jesus wants is not a crowd. He wants followers. He wants disciples. It's easy to get decisions, but it's hard to get disciples. And so Jesus turns to this growing crowd and he ruins it all. And he warns them. He says, following me is going to cost you. So are you guys willing? Are you really willing to commit to the pain? Are you willing to pay the price? Because before you decide to follow me, count the cost. And he opens with this seemingly harsh statement in verse 26. He says, if anyone comes after me, doesn't hate his own father, his mother, his wife, his children, his brothers, sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, in our culture today, we don't commit to family as much as they did. Family in that time was sacred. So Jesus' words were shocking and offensive. He basically attacked one of the most sacred commitments. And he said, if you don't love me more than these, you can't follow me. Now, friends, today we might not hold family in the same way. But what sacred things would Jesus attack? If you want to follow me, you need to hold me more important than your identity, than your sexuality, than your desires, than your personal autonomy, than your comfort, than your convenience. If need be, will you hate and surrender all of those things to follow me? Because Jesus says, I have come to threaten everything that you hold sacred that you think you can't live without, that you think is so important, everything else that you would put up front in front and above me, that's gone. If you're not willing to give it up and follow me, you can't. Count the cost. 
He says, if you hold to anything more sacred, more important than following and obeying me, you can't be my disciple. Friends, is he worth the pain? Is he worth the sacrifice? Is he worth the commitment? Is he worth it? And as if he hadn't already been clear enough in verse 27, what does he do? He goes on and he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now under Roman law, the criminal condemned to death by crucifixion was required to carry his own cross to the execution site. And that's exactly what we see Jesus do at the end of his life. So when Jesus told them, you need to bear your cross and follow me, his hearers knew exactly what he was saying. He said, if you're going to follow me, you need to be ready to die. You need to die to yourself. You need to die to everything that you hold sacred. Because friends, the thing is, dead men have no rights. Dead women make no demands. Those who have died go where they're asked to. They do what they're asked to. They follow regardless of personal, professional, financial, or social costs. Jesus says, count the cost of following me because it's a call to die to yourself, to your old life, to your rights. So count the cost because it's going to cost you everything. And in verses 28 through 35, he gives three illustrations to warn his would-be followers to count the cost. No builder builds without counting the cost. No king goes to war without counting the cost. And salt that doesn't maintain its saltiness all the way to the end is just worthless. And it's thrown out. So Jesus says, hey, before you come to follow me, count the cost. Are you going to be committed to me all the way to the end? Through the pain? Will you be with me all the way? Because verse 33, he says, If any one of you who does not renounce all he... If it, yeah, any one of you who does not renounce all he has cannot be my disciple. And friends, that's not a threat. It's a statement of fact. We can't follow Jesus if there's anything that we're going to hold above him. It's an all or nothing proposition. Grace is a free gift. But friends, it's a free gift that when you truly receive it, it costs you everything. Because you see, it's a gift that's so good that once we receive it, friends, it's going to replace all of our other treasures. It will reveal everything else that we've been clinging to is worthless. It's a beauty that is so pure that it makes all of our other beauties look ugly. It's a truth that's so true that it exposes all of our other truths to be lies. Just as Jesus said in his parables, Jesus is the treasure who's hidden in the field and we sell everything to buy the field that we can have the treasure. He's the pearl of great price for which we willingly give up everything because that pearl is so wonderful, so beautiful that we willingly give up all to have it. Jesus says grace is free, but it's a gift so immense and so beautiful. You can't hold on to it if you're holding on to anything else. So it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. And is Jesus worth it? Is he worth it? Jesus says, count the cost. Because following me does not mean that you just add me as another priority to your life. He, He doesn't just get a place at the boardroom table of your heart. He doesn't just get another vote along with all of those other priorities. Jesus says, I've come to fire all the rest of them because I'm taking over. I don't just get one vote. We're getting rid of all the other voices. And I become the voice. 
Jesus says your sexual self, your social self, your religious self, any other voice, that doesn't get a greater vote or even the same vote as me. You renounce all your rights, your desires, everything you hold dear, everything that you count as sacred. Everything is on the altar because Jesus says, when I come in, I'm calling the shots. It all has to be sacrificed. So count the cost. Am I worth it? And friends, you and I know that where the rubber meets the road is obedience. What happens when your commitment to Jesus conflicts with your desires to do something else? What happens when your commitment to Jesus conflicts with this culture's expectations or beliefs about what is right and what is wrong? What happens when your commitment to Jesus puts you in the eyes of this world on the wrong side of history? What happens when commitment to Jesus really starts to cost you? Is he worth it? You know, I once had a man sitting in my office during the week, and we were talking about Jesus, and in the middle of the conversation, it was like he had an epiphany. He admitted to me, he said, you know, my problem is not cognitive. I know all the stories. I believe them. I think my problem is my will. I don't want to. And I said, that's exactly right. Because that's all of our problem. It's easy to follow Jesus when it doesn't cost us anything. But do we want to? Will we follow him when it does? Will we follow him to the end? Will we follow him no matter what society believes? Will we follow him no matter what our friends say? Will we follow him no matter what we want? What happens when the cost becomes so great when you have to surrender your heart desires, when you have to sacrifice what you or the world holds as sacred, when you have to suffer society's scorn, when your will comes in conflict with His. What happens when the cross is before you and you have to die? Is He worth it? Church, is He worth it? Sam Alberry is a pastor in the United Kingdom and a speaker and an author. And also, Alberry has been same-sex attracted his whole life. And he wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition provocatively titled, How Can the Gospel Be Good News to the Gays? And he writes about how his desires came up against his commitment to obey Christ's commandments. And he said, I had to count the cost. And he heard Jesus call to bear his cross, to die to himself and renounce all. So he committed to follow Jesus and he chooses to live a celibate life. And this was his conclusion in the uh, article. My main point is this. The moment you think following Jesus will be a poor deal for someone, you call Jesus a liar. Discipleship is not always easy. Leaving anything cherished behind is profoundly hard. But Jesus is always worth it. Friends, leaving anything cherished behind is profoundly hard. But Jesus is always worth it. Friends, what cherished things must you leave behind if you're going to follow Jesus? What is the cost that you must pay to remain committed to Him? To what must you die so that you can live and follow Him? Church family, this is the first commitment that we must make together as a church is to follow Jesus whatever the cost. Either He is going to be the greatest the most worthy, the number one, or we can stop right here. Because Jesus said, 
If any one of you does not renounce all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. He cannot follow me. So friends, we're challenged right at the beginning. Are you committed to follow at the cost of your desires, at the cost of the culture's scorn, at the cost of popularity, position, or power, at the cost of security and safety? What pain are you willing to commit to in your life? What price are you willing to pay? Count the cost. Is Jesus better? Friends, is He better than all that you and I might leave behind in order to follow Him? Is Jesus worth it? And let's pray. Father, thank You. Thank You for the Gospel. For the good news. The good news that Jesus has come for us unworthy people. That He has come that we might be saved. And now He calls us to follow. He calls us to follow Him. And Lord, help us. Help us to follow. Help us to obey. Help us to leave behind all to count the cost and honor Him. We give ourselves now in Jesus' name. Amen.